Tonight, my subject for your consideration is the other half of prayer, the other half of prayer. Uh, I want to start with maybe the most familiar prayer scripture, prayer verse in the Bible outside of the Lord's Prayer, and that is 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse uh, 14. We referenced this last Wednesday. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, somebody say, and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people humble and pray and seek and turn, then I will, I will, I will. That's a promise. Some people would try to dismiss that as, well, that's in the Old Testament, but if you have any sense of the New Testament, you understand that the New Testament expects us to pray. It's a very, very powerful principle. And so I want to talk about the other half of prayer tonight. Prayer is very personal. Um, we pray corporately when we get together in church. We pray together, but prayer is a very personal thing. Most Christians, if you talk among yourselves about this, almost everybody feels like they're not quite doing prayer as good as they should or as good as they could. A lot of people look at missionaries and preachers and pastors and evangelists and feel that, you know, somehow they have this uh, prayer life or prayer ministry that's on a different level. Um, sometimes we look at intercessors in a church, people that are known for prayer, and we think, well, they're praying on a different level. Uh, they may be praying in a different gifting, but every child of God has the privilege of prayer really on the same level. It's not that some people get more of God. It's that God gets more of them. They stay at prayer long enough and consistently enough that God, he gets more of them. It's not that they have more of God than you do. Uh, we often feel in prayer like we're not getting... Uh, the, the results we, we would like to see, as quick as we would like to see, and I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, and I said this last week, uh, we, sometimes when you feel like you're not doing so good in prayer, or you feel like your prayers are bouncing up and hitting the ceiling, or you feel like uh, it's just not working, uh, what do you do in those moments when your feelings uh, are, are just not cooperating? Here's what you do, and this is just good advice for every area of life. Ignore your feelings. And just do what you know to do anyway. Um, that works in a marriage, by the way. This is not a marriage class tonight, but that works in a marriage. Uh, there will be days that you may not feel on the top of the world. Uh, there may be days that you, uh, you know, people do this all the time. Well, I don't feel married. Well, you are, so. <laughs> I don't feel those feelings anymore. Uh, you're just a bad country song waiting to happen. That's what you are. And so just stop that, grow up, get a grip, and do what you know is right to do and ignore your feelings. And the same is true in prayer. Pray anyway. As you keep practicing prayer, as you keep doing prayer, as you keep praying, prayer becomes a habit. Things that are repeated become habits, and good habits make a great life. Um, it was E.M. Bounds that said this. Paul Graham has said it so much that I forgot E.M. Bounds a whole long time ago. And you've heard it, and you've heard it across this pulpit. No prayer, no power. Some prayer, some power. Little prayer, little power. 
Sporadic prayer, sporadic power. Consistent prayer, consistent power. More prayer, more power. Much prayer, much power. Great prayer, great power. Apostolic prayer, apostolic power. Holy Ghost prayer, Holy Ghost power. We just have to do it to see it. The greatest enemy of your prayer life is not the devil. He gets blamed for a lot of stuff he never even had a clue how to undo. He didn't mess up your prayer life. The devil is not the greatest enemy of your prayer life. Distraction is the greatest enemy of your prayer life. And see, distraction is never ending in our lives. And it can come from many different directions. Distraction can come from you yourself. It can come from your entertainment. It can come from your technology. It can come from work, from others, from responsibilities. Uh, You remember last week we talked about your prayer personality. Distraction can even come from your personality. Uh, no matter what your personality is. And the devil doesn't have to lift a little finger to distract you because you're distracting yourself. And so Jesus comes along and in the gospels, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, shut the door. When you pray, get alone, be still, focus on God, ignore everybody and everything else and pray. Jesus expected us to pray. To fail to pray is to fail at being a Christian. There is nothing of eternal value that is also easy. So if you think, well, prayer's a little difficult, good, you're doing it right. Because prayer's not supposed to be easy, it's supposed to be something of eternal value. If you read the record of scripture, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he healed people with prayer, he cast out demons with prayer, he prayed often, he prayed regularly, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, 7, he prayed with fervent prayers and supplication, with strong crying and tears. Jesus prayed, we would say he prayed hard. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed sometimes all night. When he prayed one time, he was transfigured with divine glory. That didn't happen every time he prayed. That just happened one time he prayed. Maybe you've said, well, I prayed a lot. But if you can remember one time when you prayed and God answered that prayer, you're doing this right. When Jesus faced his greatest crisis, he did that with prayer. You hear him praying for his disciples and for his church on the night before he died in John 17. And Jesus prayed in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane and then on the cross he died praying. That's how important prayer was to Jesus. And then immediately after Jesus' death, The disciples prepare to do what he called them to do. And they prepare for the future of the church by doing these things. They were constantly in prayer together. Acts 1.14. Every church meeting was devoted to prayer. Acts 2.42. Acts 11.5. Acts 12.5. Acts 12.12. And the power of the Spirit descended on those early Christians in response to their prayer. When they had to select leaders or do anything else or make a decision or take a direction, they did so with prayer. And you've heard it before and I've said it before, the early church didn't have a prayer meeting. The early church was a prayer meeting. God help us to be that kind of a church, that we are a moving, living, breathing prayer meeting. And it doesn't matter whether we're in prayer meeting on Friday night 
we're a prayer meeting. Or whether we're in service on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Bible study on Wednesday night or we're somewhere else in this city, God help us to be a moving prayer meeting that can slip into the spirit of prayer and the attitude of prayer and the avenue of prayer at any moment. That's what a church is supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. Last week, kind of the first part of this, talked about your prayer personality. I'm not going to rehash all of that. It's online. It'll be there till the internet fades away. Um, and you can watch that anytime and familiarize yourself with that. But we have different personalities. And uh, your personality can be your biggest distraction to your prayer life because every personality has weaknesses. And, and so no personality's wrong, no personality's right, and the others are excluded. But here's the thing. You cannot use your personality. Well, I have a, I have a tough time uh, focusing on uh, prayer for very long. Well, uh, you need to do some things that help you focus whether that be coming to a structured prayer meeting or having a prayer list or whatever it is that helps you. You say, well, I, I just have to have everything perfect before I can pray. Uh, you're you're going to have to kind of get over a little bit of that uh, and realize that your life isn't perfect even though you think it might be. And you're just going to have to get with it. But if you need a real structure to pray... Give yourself a structure, write down a list or do whatever you need to do and uh, make sure that you don't use your personality or your distractions or your schedule as an excuse not to talk to God when he's done so much for you. It, it amazes me, not just about pastoral ministry, it amazes me about myself that we can fill days talking to people who can't do anything to fix our problems. We're just griping and grumbling and, you know, uh, if they get paid for it, we call it counseling, but it's still just mainly griping and grumbling sometimes. And, and, and we talk to people who really, at the end of the day, they can help walk us through it, but they can't change some of the things we face. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with talking to others, but when you talk to others at length, maybe for hours, and you don't ever talk to God about it, you've missed the point of the Christian life. You are allowed, you're given the privilege of talking to God about it, and God can do something about it where the people you're talking to on Facebook or on the phone, they probably can't. And so that's, that's prayer. I offended all the Facebook faithful. Uh, I apologize. My subject for tonight is the other half of prayer. Because what we think of as prayer is really only one half of your daily conversation with God. There's another half to prayer. And the reason a lot of people struggle with prayer is because this other half is lacking. It's insufficient or it's non-existent. And the other half of your daily conversation with God looks like this. That's the other half of your daily conversation with God. And a lot of people struggle with prayer because... They're not cracking open the Bible very much. The Bible gets opened in church, if at all. A lot of times, the only Bible some people have is those. That's about it in the week. They get more Bible off the video screens at church on Sunday than they do during the rest of the week. And if that's you, I'm not here to scold you or shame you or put a guilt trip on you. Well, maybe that. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, you're hurting yourself even in your prayer life, because prayer is not just bringing a long list of everything you're mad about to God or everything you're sad about or everything you're struggling with. Prayer is a conversation with God, and God, if he speaks to you audibly, God bless you, I'm grateful, and I'm skeptical. 
Because he doesn't speak audibly to very many people. He has done it. He can do it. He's done it in his word. He occasionally does it today. God has never spoken to me audibly, but I'll tell you what, God has spoken to me strongly through that right there. It was stronger than an audible voice. I've heard a lot of audible voices that I was able to just kind of ignore. I forgot what they said, but this is in black and white. And and so uh, God speaks to us this way. Reading God's word meditating on God's word is the other half of prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Reading the Bible is God talking to us. And that's why if you go through church history and you read about anybody that was used by God, they had a great relationship with the word of God. You say, well, they were a great person to prayer. Yes, they were. But the other half of their prayer life was this book right there. The majority of Christians in all of Christianity and all of the history of the church have begun their day with what we sometimes have called a a quiet time. And they would sit down with their Bible and usually a pen and maybe a notebook and they would just read the word and then maybe write in the margin of their Bible or write in a notebook or underline some verses and just let God speak to them. I've said this uh, many times. You need to make your Bible your Bible. Uh, One of the challenges with these is that um, these are so transient. You don't want your only Bible to be electronic and then you lose it or it fails or they update the software and it won't work anymore. You don't want that to be your only. You need like a Bible Bible. You really do. And you say, you sound old. I am old. Let me talk. You need a Bible. And, and here's why. Brother Huntley, who was with us a few weeks ago, um, back in, I guess it was August now, uh, Brother Huntley, he, he has this treasure in his family. He, he took the Bible that he's preached with for years. It's got all kinds of notes since he was a young church planter 40 years ago in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, and that Bible, it's all worn. He Uh, gave that to his oldest grandson, Huntley Ballestero, when Huntley went off to Bible school, when he graduated from high school, headed off to Bible school. And uh, then along came grandchild number two, Christiana. And uh, then along came grandchild number three and number four and number five. So Brother Huntley, he told me and he showed me. We were preaching a meeting somewhere together. He dug out a Bible and he said, I'm up to such and such a book He had taken that first Bible back and he'd underlined every scripture again, put every little note and every little uh, scripture reference and every little comment, every illustration he'd come across. He'd written that. He's done that five times now. And here's why. Because he wanted to pass along an heirloom to his grandchildren. This doesn't cut it when it comes to an heirloom of the word of God. There's something about a precious Bible that's been cried over. You can't cry over these. You'll short them out. You need a Bible. Make your Bible your Bible. That's the other half of prayer. You're you're pushing, Pastor. Yes, I am. Because uh, we are too reliant on this and not enough reliant on this. And when we falter in prayer, a lot of times we're not faltering on the talking part. We're faltering on the listening part. And that's why prayer gets old really, really fast. Uh, And we struggle with prayer uh, quite a bit. Um, So 
Here's a quote from Brother Terry Shock. He said, our inability to hear God's, to hear God's voice reveals our unwillingness to sit still. There are some things we will never know until we are still. You've got to get somewhere with God. Let God talk to you and you talk to God. Now, if you're struggling with that, here's where the two dovetail beautifully. And if you're a new Christian, if you've struggled with prayer, here's something that will help you. Take your Bible, open it up to the book of Psalms, which is a book of 150 prayers of different lengths about different subjects. Some chapters, David is happy, just like you. Some chapters, David or somebody else is angry, just like you. Uh, sometimes he's discouraged. Sometimes the psalmist is excited. Sometimes the psalmist is beseeching God to judge his enemies. And sometimes uh, the psalmist is thanking God for the victories he's had. And it's just this whole uh, canvas of human emotion. And if you struggled in prayer, pull the two sides of your prayer life together and open the book of Psalms, pick one, it really doesn't matter, and neither does it matter if you understand every single verse in that Psalm. Pray through the verses you do understand. Uh, if you really struggle, go to Psalm 23 and start there. And just start praying, the Lord is my shepherd. And think about that, what that means and start thanking God for who he is and what he's done and how he leads you. And just walk through a psalm. Don't pick Psalm 119 for your first try. It's the longest book in the Bible by far. Just, or the longest chapter. Just pick a, a, a psalm of average length or a short one and, and just pray through it. That will help you. What have you done there? You've brought the two sides of your prayer life together. You talking to God and God talking to you, and that will help jumpstart your prayer life. See, the Bible was given not so you just have a head knowledge of the oneness of God and the new birth and holiness. The Bible was given so you could have a relationship with God. The Bible is a textbook on prayer. It teaches us our need to pray. It teaches us the nature of prayer. It teaches us the rewards of prayer. But one other thing the Bible does, the Bible becomes the very words we need to pray sometimes. That's why you need a relationship with this book. Praying the scripture is a really great way to pray. And praying the scripture simply means this. You say back to God in your own words what he spoke to you through his word. And that's what praying the scripture is. And, and so that's why sometimes it's good to have what we've uh, covered uh, in, in a series here at the church. Uh, prayer patterns. Praying through the tabernacle. Um, Pastor Mangan has a great book about that. Putting on the armor of God. There's all kinds of references. The Lord's Prayer. There's books galore on that. But just have a little pattern that you start and, and that helps you kind of, all of you people that struggle to, to stay focused, that would help you to have a little pattern of prayer. Well, that's, that sounds legalistic, Pastor. That sounds like I'm just going through a ritual. No, it's not. It's like you walking in the mall in the winter in Fredericton. If you've walked around the mall, you know, you, well, you can't go by Sears anymore, but, but you go around the mall, you go around the mall, and every trip you see something different. Every trip you see somebody over here, every trip you see something else happening, and, and you go there, and, and you just walk around and around and around. Some 
some of you do that during business hours. Some of you try to do that before it's really busy. Uh, some of you are hoping you'll meet somebody. Some of you are hoping you don't meet anybody. Uh, you just do it. It's, it's like this track you go around and around. You know, the great thing about a prayer track is it keeps you focused a little bit, but you can pray that track as fast as you want. You can pray that track as slow as you want. You can go around it as many times as you want, and you can stop at any point in the prayer track. If you get praying through the Lord's Prayer and you want to stop on give us this day our daily bread or forgive us our debts as we forgive others their debts against us, their trespasses, you can stop at any point and focus in. That's a good way to keep your prayer life on track. It's not legalistic. It's just like a walking track. It's like going on a walking trail. God already cares about everything you would think to pray for. But one writer said, God's just waiting for you to care enough about it to talk to him about it. That is prayer. When you are reading the Bible, when you are praying in your own words, when you're talking to God, we need to be constantly on the lookout for the Holy Ghost to speak to us or to pray through us. If you're reading a scripture and God just kind of quickens somebody to your memory, you need to stop and pray for them right then. You say, but I'm reading a chapter. I got to get the next step. No, you don't. The Bible isn't a goal. The Bible is a book about relationship. And, and so um, reading plans are wonderful, but can, can we just be honest? If you're in a Bible reading plan and all you're doing is checking off the boxes and, and you get through today and you can't even remember what book you were reading in, let alone anything that was in that passage, could I suggest something to you? Stop the plan. Pastor just told us to stop reading the Bible. Yeah, I guess so. Stop the plan. Take what they want you to do in a day, and maybe you need to do that over a week. Because if you're not getting anything out of anything you're doing, you need to do something different. That's, that's not rocket science. One person wrote this. They said, if you want to hear God speak, you need to hide and seek. You need to go away from all the clutter and all the commotion, and you just need to seek God. You're going to win the battle one way or the other. Either you're going to win the battle in prayer or you're going to lose the battle in everything else. Somebody's going to win. Steve Willoughby, our great missionary, now gone to heaven, missionary to Singapore for many years. I love this quote of his. Prayer is not something that you do. Prayer is something that you are. Prayer flows automatically out of living sacrifices. Prayer is simply the verbal expressions of the meditations of your heart. What's in your heart, what fills, spills. What's in your heart, when you begin to talk to God, it comes out. So here's what Brother Willoughby said. So not praying is the result of a dead sacrifice. God replaced the dead sacrifices of the Old Testament because they had limited value. Dead sacrifices were too easy to forget. You gave your sacrifice, then you just walk away. But in the New Testament, a living sacrifice is different. A living sacrifice requires daily maintenance and daily conversation. And then the line that sounds so much like Steve Willoughby, you're decaying if you're not praying. Would you lift up your hands right now in the middle of Bible study?
And would you just offer a prayer to God? Not a praise, a prayer. What, what's been on your heart today? What's on your mind today? What, what is it that you wish God would just intervene and you wish God would just hear from heaven? Would you just open up your mouth for a moment and just talk to him about it? Maybe it's a, a friend that's sick. Maybe it's a need in your life. Maybe it's some battle you're facing or some battle that you're tired and exhausted because you've been pushing. I wish you'd just lift that up. If you can't pray in church, chances are you're you're not doing too much praying anywhere else. But if you would just lift up a prayer to God, just lift up something to him. Jesus, Lord God, tonight I pray that you would shake up all of these good people, faithful saints, praying people. But God, we need reminder. We need our, our pure minds stirred up by way of remembrance. Jesus, I pray that you'd help our church to go to the next level in prayer. I pray that you'd help us to go to the next level in spiritual warfare. I pray that you'd help us to go to the next level in our daily lives with you. Because when we go to a different level in our private prayer life, we can go to a different level in our corporate prayer life. Help us, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I worship you, God. Somebody say the other side. That's the other side of prayer. Prayer isn't just giving God your laundry list. Prayer isn't giving God your to-do list. Prayer is letting God speak to you I'm not saying God can't speak to you with a strong impression. I'm not even saying God couldn't speak to you with an audible voice. I just know that the most common way God speaks to us is his word. Here's another thing about the other side of prayer. So often in prayer, we come to God with a list of our wants. Our perspective as human beings is so very limited it's, it's like your little child who comes to you and says, you know, I want candy. I want candy. That is going to be their constant refrain from morning till night, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I want candy. I want candy. You as a parent sometimes read between the lines and you give them what they need instead of just what they want. Your heavenly father knows way better what is best for you then you know about what is best for you. And so this is the other side of prayer, that we don't just pray about what we want. What we need to be praying for every day when we talk to God personally is about God's will. Because so often, folks, I want this to be healed. I want this to be fixed. I want this to be restored. I want this to be broken through. I want this breakthrough. I want this victory to be won. I want this battle over. And we give God a list of our wants. But really, our job every day is not just to pray about our wants. It's to pray about God's will in our lives. You say, well, how's, how's that jive with the Bible? If you look at Paul's prayers in the epistles, here's what you're going to find. This is how Paul usually prayed for the people he loved. He would pray prayers that sounded like this over and over in your Bible. I keep asking God that you may know him better. He says that over and over. I'm praying to God that you may know him better. I'm praying to God that you might know his power, that you might know his will, that you might know 
what it is to sit in heavenly places. When Paul prays for people he loves, he doesn't pray a long list of wants. In fact, if you read through Paul's prayers, not once in the New Testament does he petition God and say, God, please change the circumstances of my friends. He doesn't pray that way. Paul doesn't say, uh, God, we got a bad emperor. We need the emperor kicked out of office. Paul doesn't pray that way. Paul doesn't pray, God, uh, I'm in prison. I need you to open the door of the prison. He doesn't pray that way. Paul doesn't pray that way even about his friends. He does not pray for the needs that a lot of times we have at the top of our prayer list. God, I'm sick, I need healing. God, I'm this, I need this. Paul doesn't do that. Paul keeps praying over and over. I pray that whatever I'm in, I want to know God better. I pray that whatever trial I'm facing, I want to know God better. And he prays that way for his friends. Now, is it wrong to pray for things that you want? Not at all. Paul knew that Jesus had invited us to pray and ask God for our daily bread. And God told us, Jesus told us to pray to God for uh, deliverance from evil, deliver us from evil. So it's not wrong to pray for things you want. It's not wrong to pray for God to deliver you from a struggle or a battle or, or something. But Paul prays for his friends what we would call the master prayer or the most important prayer or the highest prayer. And the most important thing Paul felt God could give to him or give to any of his friends was to know God better. See, to Paul, prayer is not a list of requests. Prayer is a relationship with God. That's the key. So, so whether you're in a trial, a struggle, a battle, or whatever it is, if you're getting to know God better through that trial, that actually is an answer to prayer, even though you would prefer that your circumstances be different. It's, it's an amazing thing. To Paul, prayer is not a means to, to get more of what he wants. It's a means to know God more. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30. This is an amazing little section uh, of the book of Proverbs. Solomon records a prayer in Proverbs 30, verse 7 through verse 9. It's the prayer of a man named Agur. And, and notice how he prays. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Here's Agur's prayer. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. What in the world is he talking about? Feed me with food convenient for me. And here's why he's praying this way. Don't give me poverty and don't give me riches. Watch this. Lest I be full, if I'm, if I'm rich, and I deny thee and say, who is the Lord? God, if you give me too many blessings, God, if my life is too easy, God, if my life is filled with too many distractions and too many possessions and too many responsibilities and too much wealth, I might forget you. So God, don't give me any more wealth than I can handle. And then he says, or lest I be poor. God, don't let me be too poor because then I might steal and I might break your law. I might take the name of my God in vain. So here's Agur's prayer. This is a beautiful example of how we balance prayer. God, meet my material needs. Give me wealth 
but only as much wealth as I can handle. Do you understand how many people have got a little more money or a little higher position or a little advancement in their career or started a business and it wiped out their faithfulness to God and to church? Do you understand how often that happens? So Agar's prayer is, God, only give me as much wealth as I can handle without it harming my ability to put you first. Don't give me one more dollar. Don't give me one more responsibility. Don't give me a position so high in my company that, that I would not put you first. Because ultimately, God, I, I don't need stuff and I don't need comfort and I don't need status. I don't need perks. I just need you. And, and God, on the other hand, don't make me so poor. Don't let me be so poor that, that I would just be spending every spare minute scrounging out in existence. God, just let me live a life where you're fair. See, that's the balance of prayer. What are you praying, Agar? I'm not praying for my wants. I'm praying for God's will. God, let your will be done in my life so I can put you first. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, we don't get to give us this day our daily bread until we've spent some time praying, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pray that first. We give God glory first. We put his kingdom first. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray that first. And then we start with, give us this day our daily bread. What are you teaching us, Jesus? He's teaching us to put him first and to balance our prayer. Philippians chapter three, verse 10. Paul's in a prison cell and here's what he prays. Not send an angel, not send a key, not let Caesar reevaluate my case. Here's what he prays in, from a prison cell. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, in the middle of my prison cell, I'm not praying for an open door. I'm not praying for a release. I'm not praying for easier circumstances or better food. I'm not praying for any of that. I'm just praying that in the middle of whatever it is I'm going through, God, let me know you more and let me know you better. That's the way we should pray. Is it wrong to pray for your wants? No. Is it wrong to pray for your needs? No. Is it wrong to pray for deliverance? No. Pray for all of those things. But don't just come to God and launch into that because that's not really the primary purpose of prayer, to give God all your needs and all your wants and your long list. The primary purpose of prayer is to build a relationship with God. So you need this side of prayer, God speaking to you through his word, and you need the other side of prayer, which is you speaking back to God. You'll get to your needs because they're so high on your mind. You'll get to them. You don't have to worry that you're going to forget about your struggle. You're going to remember it. But what we do forget to do is to walk into God's presence and give him honor and give him glory. And when you pray, stop worrying about making mistakes. Stop worrying about not doing it good enough. Stop worrying about, well, I don't pray as, as good as somebody else. You can pray confidently to God because he's your heavenly father. There are people that say, well, I, I don't pray because God's going to do what he's going to do and I don't really even know how to pray. If I might pray wrong. I might pray for the wrong thing. I might pray for healing when it's God's will to take him. I might pray for God to take him when it's God's will to heal him. This happened a long, long time ago and none of you know this person, but I do. I remember. I was just a kid. I remember. 
that sister so-and-so died and the next Sunday, brother so-and-so get up to give a testimony at church and said, well, praise the Lord, the burden's been lifted. <laughs> I was there, I was a kid, but I remember that. So whether, <laughs> and mom and dad remember that too. Don't you tell. You don't have to worry whether you'll pray the wrong thing because God is your heavenly father. Your little kids come to you all the time and ask for things that they shouldn't have. Either they shouldn't have them at all, or they shouldn't have them yet, or they shouldn't have them now. And so you wisely give them something else. Do you not think your heavenly father is at least as smart as you were as a parent? And he knows if you pray amiss, he'll just grant it in his way. So you don't have to worry about, well, I'm doing it wrong or I'm praying it wrong or I don't know what to pray. Of course you don't always know what to pray. That's called being human. That's called being limited. Abraham in Genesis 17 verse 18, here's Abraham's prayer. Oh, that Ishmael might live before the Ishmael. Ishmael's not the son of the promise. It's God's will to bless Isaac, not Ishmael. And Abraham's praying wrong. You know what God did? God gave Ishmael a little blessing to honor Abraham. But he gave Isaac the promise. He gave Isaac the inheritance. He gave Isaac all of the riches uh, that God wanted to pour out on Abraham's seed. That's how God answered that prayer. Abraham prayed amiss. He prayed wrong. But God's so wise that he looked at what Abraham really needed instead of what Abraham wanted at that moment. So don't be afraid when you pray that you'll ask for the wrong thing. Of course you will. That'll happen from time to time because you're so limited. But God asked us to ask him because the very act of asking God for anything says you're God and I'm not. You're greater than I am and I need you. And sometimes God changes your heart so you can get through your situation. I, I love this little piece and, and you probably have, have seen this. If your request is wrong, God will say no. If your timing is wrong, God will say, slow. If your spirit is wrong, God will say, grow. But if everything's right, God will say, go. God will answer your prayer according to his wisdom. And so Jesus just teaches us not to pray correctly. That's never in the scripture. He doesn't ever pray, ever teach us, you better pray right, you better pray about every need right. He just teaches us to pray. He just says, talk to me. He just says, daily bread. The, the principle of the scripture is the fire on the altar is to be tended daily. It's to never be allowed to go out. And sometimes it takes forever, days of praying and weeks of praying and months of praying. She's not here tonight. I know she's watching and we're so grateful for Krista and we're still praying for her. And we're so thankful for what God's done and we are not letting up. But let me tell you something about that sweet little lady. Standing right over here at the altar, not very many months ago. She said, if I had to make a trade, I don't like cancer, I don't want cancer, I want to get healed of cancer. But if I had to make a trade, I would choose cancer over the way I was before the cancer. Because something's happened in my spiritual life and in my prayer life and in my walk with God. That's an amazing thing, folks. 
That's what Paul was talking about. He said, when I pray for you, I'm just praying that you get to know Jesus better. Because if you get to know Jesus better, if you get healed, you're going to give him glory. And if you don't get healed yet, you're still going to trust him and worship him and praise him. I'm going to pray that you know Jesus better because then if you're in jail for the cause of Christ, you'll rejoice in the middle of the jail. And if you get out, you'll give God glory. I'm just going to pray every time, number one, I want to know Jesus better and I want all my friends to know Jesus better. And so I try to pray that way when people are in a crisis or whatever. God, do whatever you need to do to help them get closer to you, to help your will be done in their life. And oh, Jesus, I want to see them healed because there's nothing wrong with praying that way. And God honors prayers that put his kingdom and his will first. Would you uh, lift your hands? Pastor's finished. Would you lift your hands right now? And would you lift your voice one more time? Hope some, I know this has been very, very practical tonight. And some people feel like you can't really have, you know, any kind of spiritual response with practical teaching. I, I don't agree with that. Would you lift up your voice right now? And would you just begin to give God uh, praise and glory? And we're going to pray one more time before we leave. So, so don't, don't check out yet. Just give God glory. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's always the way we start our prayer. We always enter into God's presence by giving him glory and giving him honor and giving him thanks and giving him praise. Now, would you stand so you can get comfortable to pray for a little bit? Because I know you have needs in your life and in your home. And, and I want to take those needs to the Lord in prayer. It's not wrong to take your needs or your wants to God in prayer. But prayer number one, before you say, God, I want, you say, God, I want what you want. That's prayer number one. Would you lift up your voice one more time? Nobody's going to be paying attention to you. We're all going to be praying right now. Would you lift up your voice and whatever you've been praying about this week, whatever you've asked God to do, I'd like you to put a little spin on it tonight and I'd like you to say, Jesus, this is what I want. But here's what I want even more than what I want. I want what you want. Before I get my will, I want your will. Before I get my way, I want your way. Before I get my desire. I want to exemplify your desire. Before I ask you for that, I just want to ask you to speak to me and lead me and order my steps in your word and give me what I need. Jesus, my number one prayer is to know you better and know you more. Jesus, I pray for our great church. Lord God, we need to know you better and we need to know you more. We spend so much time in so many services praying for what we want. But behind that, Jesus, hear our heart. Hear our heart tonight. We want to know you better and we want to know you more. If we're going through suffering, let it be so that we know the fellowship of your suffering. If we're in rejoicing, let it be that we're knowing the power of your resurrection. God, whatever it is that we're going through, I pray for our great church, this wonderful family of believers, that we would know you more. 
I pray for our single adults that are in this room. Jesus, there's so many pressures and so many temptations. I pray, God, that you would help them to know you first, to know you best, and to know you more. I pray for our families, our parents, our couples that face such an onslaught of hell in trying to raise godly kids in an ungodly age. Jesus, I pray in our homes and in our families, whatever we're going through, I pray that we would know you first and we would know you more and we would know you better. I pray for senior saints that have served you, some of them before I was born, and I thank you for their lives, and I thank you for their legacy, and I thank you for their sacrifice. And God, sometimes our elderly years bring challenges, and and there's suffering, and there's pain sometimes. But Jesus, I pray for our precious senior saints. Whatever they're going through, whatever losses they've suffered, whatever difficulties they're facing, God, I want you to heal them. I, I want you to deliver them. I want you to answer the cry of their heart. But before all of that, Jesus, these precious people that have served you for so many years, God, what a crowning achievement. Let them know you better. Let them know you more. Let them know you greater than ever before. Let your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Let your will be done, not just my will and my wants. Jesus, I want to know you better. I want to know you daily. I want to know you deeper. I want to know you more. I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's close Bible study tonight by lifting up a praise. I got about 10 of you. I need the rest of you. Lift up a praise to the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for the principles of your word. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. God, I want to know it. I, I want to do it better, not so I can check off a list. Jesus, I want to do it better so I can know you better. That's what I want. It's the other side of prayer. It's the other side of prayer. Help me know you through your word. In Jesus' name.